everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of the Cross Border Interviews Municipal Week. I'm your host, as always, Christopher Brown. I do apologize right now that my voice is going, and throughout the interview, my voice is going as well. So I apologize right away. But today we have a counselor from Northern Alberta, counselor from Slave Lake, Rebecca King. Counselor King and I sit down and talk about Slave Lake, her path to politics. We also talk about the issues facing Slave Lake and communities in general across Alberta. These issues include economic development and vagrancy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Cross Border Interviews Municipal Week featuring Counselor Rebecca King. Councillor King, thank you very much for sitting down with me. Uh, this is uh, episode two of Municipal Week on the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Uh, what I want to dive into is the people who make the decisions on the local levels. Uh, you are uh, an elected official since October of 2017, as we just <laughs> did the math about two <laughs> minutes ago of trying to figure out when you first ran compared to when you ran. Uh, my first question that I always ask uh, politicians, former politicians, or anyone in the public eye is, where did your sense of duty come come from? Well, basically, you want to do and live in the best community and the best area you can. So instead of complaining about it, you run and you make the decisions and you do something about it. Did you live, did you grow up in a political household? Uh, I didn't actually, but there was always a passion to help. And, um, and that came from your mother and that, father? Absolutely. And they're still like that and they'll help anyone with anything. So why in 2017 decide to put your name forward? You uh, had lived in Slave Lake for how long at that time? 27, about five years at that time. So five years in, you decide, I'm going to throw my name in the ring. Absolutely. I, I was involved with a lot of volunteer organizations at that time, and I thought it was the next logical step to, 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 to put my to, name. To help people. To help the, to help the people, to help the community, um, to make it a better place for the kids, for my kids, for all of us to live. And was municipal politics the way that you wanted to do that? Because there's three levels that you could have ran, federally, provincially, or municipally, but you decided to put your name forward municipally. Why do it at that time? I know you say because you're kids, but was there an issue on your mind at that time? Because I know homelessness is one of the big issues that you you were advocating at the time, economic development now. But with homelessness, did you see things that were happening in this community that you said, you know what, I need to make sure that voice is at the council table? I think there's a lot of things um, happening. I think there's a voice that needs to be heard for every aspect of a community. And I think um, adding myself onto the panel of council here, kind of brought a different perspective in. Um, I think we have a really diverse council. And and were you strongly opinionated growing up? Always. <laughs> so and you, I still am. <laughs> you made sure your voice was heard. Absolutely. So you get on council in 2017 in the October election. You go from a very private citizen to now someone who is going to get stopped every time they go shopping, yep. every time they do something. So how did, how was that change for you? Um, it, it's huge, actually. Yeah, and just to go to the grocery store, you need to always add an extra half hour at least. Uh, but I enjoy it because that's where you get to hear the problems and the issues affecting the people in the community. And that's why I went into municipal politics in the first place, because I think that's where you make the biggest impact. Is uh, municipally. Um, 
we live in a world that Facebook has become a prominent source of outlet for yes. a lot of residents. Um, Slave Lake, like the, many of the other municipalities in the areas that I've, t- I've spoken to this week, is uh, a place where people vent their frustration. Absolutely. Do you think Facebook has caused an issue for elected officials in today's age? Of course. Um, elected officials and employees. How? Um, it's hard to read that stuff about yourself, um, whether you have thick skin or not. It's always hard to read negative stuff about yourself, um, but you have to learn to cope with it and deal with it. So how do you cope with it? Um, I just personally try not to read it. Um, I never respond on Facebook if I'm called out on Facebook. There's channels to contact me and communicate with me, and that's not one of my channels. <laughs> and you... Uh since you've since you've been elected since 2017, uh, you've gone through a few budgets. You're going through a budget this year as well. Uh, in 2020, when this is going to air, one of the big priorities that you're going to be looking at is economic development. For sure. Why? Um, we need a boost in our community. We need to um, show the people around not only Alberta and Canada what a great place this is to live, what a great place this is to work, what a great place this is to do business. Um, Our province as a whole is struggling, and being in the oil industry area, we're struggling, and it's time to bring some focus to us. So let's talk about Slave Lake. Absolutely. What makes Slave Lake so good? Um, The whole small town community feel is my favorite. If you ever have an issue, you always have a small village around you to help you. It's a double-edged sword, though. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Say, because if we're going to put it all on the table, in a small community, everyone knows your business. Totally. And sometimes they know what I've done before I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is always a good thing or a bad thing. It depends it on what depends you look at. what it is. Um, so Slave Lake, you've made it home for eight years now. Do you see yourself retiring here? Uh, absolutely. Somewhere definitely in the area. Um, I don't think I would like to. I, I want my kids to grow up here. I want them to love it as much as we now love it. And what's the, what, what's the draw? You talk about the small town feel, but what's it's, the draw that keeps you coming back, keeps you saying, I want to stay here? Uh, it absolutely comes down to the people. Yeah. Um, bottom line, it's the people. It's... Going out to Walmart and being able to chat with somebody for a half hour and solve something or help them with something or meet them for coffee and just relax. It's a slower paced environment. I moved from downtown Toronto to here and I mean, we have a change, just a little bit of a change. We have what, three traffic lights here in town? Yeah. I had three getting out of my parking garage at home. Like, <laughs> it, it was a huge change, and I would, I've been home once, and I, don't, I have no desire to go back to that. So if you, if you were talking to a tourist from downtown Toronto, what would you, how would you ex- describe Slave Lake to them to get them to come here? Because you talk about economic development, and economic development's not just business, it's nope. also tourist attraction, Absolutely. it's residence attention, Absolutely. Uh, attraction. So what, how do you pitch Slave Lake to the citizen in downtown Toronto or the citizen in another smaller rural community to say, you know what, while you might like it there, you will love it here because of X. Bottom line is we're living in vacation country. I mean, we work, we play, we live where people come to vacation. 
Um, our summers here are amazing. People come from all over to enjoy our lake, our campgrounds. Uh, you can't get better than this in the province of Alberta. And the one thing that I found would be, is, uh, uh, like yourself, I'm from Toronto, uh, Toronto area as well. When I came here, uh, you think of Slave Lake, you think it's going to be, because in 2011 there was a wildfire here and yeah. it burnt down uh, almost a quarter of the town. Um, you think you're coming into a community that's very desolate, very going to be run down, but when you come into this town... and uh, I mean, our name doesn't help. <laughs> that, that, that too, yes. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but yes. Um, but when you come into this town, it's beautiful. You have yes. access to the lake. You see the lake as you're driving into this town. Mm-hmm. All of our amenities are here. We have a fantastic hospital. Why do we not, why does Slave Lake have an issue with bringing people to the community, do you think? Is it because it's so far away from Edmonton? I I think so. I think um, we have been marketed in the past as being so remote. Um, But we have so much here. You couldn't ask for more activities for your children to do. We are a vibrant, living, booming community when it comes to social things, um, family, children's events, community events. There's something going on every weekend here. And we'll talk about that briefly because one of the big things that you helped bring back in 2016, if I'm not mistaken, 2016-2017 might have been. 2017, yeah. Was the Riverboat Days block party. For sure. So first off, Riverboat Days, uh, for those who might know, is what? Uh, Riverboat Days is our yearly summer celebration. Um, We bring the whole town together. It's a weekend, first weekend after Canada Day in July. And we party for the weekend. We have a block party. We have a children's festival. We have parades. We have the carnival comes. So one of the things that you helped bring back, because it was a thing that happened in the, I think, 90s, even 80s, was the block party. Mm What was that like? Because that first year, I can tell you, I walked down there, and I'm not a people person yeah. in the large crowds. When I was walking downtown Slave Lake in the first year, I wanted to just go into my little hermit hole and just walk away. So for you, that must have felt... It was amazing. And every year, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And kudos to my small crew. There's three of us, and we plan that whole thing. That whole block party from beginning to end, we've done it by ourselves for the past three years, and every year it gets better and better. And do you do you pride yourself that that event is kind of a staple of Riverboat Days now? For sure it is, yes. Because yep. people want to know when the block party is, what's mm-hmm. happening, because as the former communications person for the town, I know that we get it's inundated constant. by the 15 questions in the same five seconds about when is it, yep. what band's playing, what food's going to be there, what time does it Absolutely. start? Absolutely, and it starts literally the day after the block party the previous year. So you start plan- you're already planning uh, for next year. Absolutely. When's it going to be? Um, when can we get our vendor lists in? When can we pay for our spots? It starts sometimes the night of. We yeah. have we had people from out of town vendors sign up the night of for this coming year. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. We have people who message us. They book off the weekends. Their families come up. They tell some of their families fly in for this weekend. I didn't know that. Yes. Wow. This year we had our hotels were very full and a lot of the people that were on the streets were from out of town. So it is a great draw and it's getting bigger and bigger. So how do you spill that over into other events? 
Because like every community that I've talked to, volunteerism in today's age is non-existent. It is, it is so hard, hard to get people. Absolutely. And it's when we do events like this, it is the same people all the time. Exactly. It's, and it's getting burnout. Um, yeah. When three of us plan an event that large, although we depend on other people to help us, it is a long process. And we start like right after literally that literally night. That <laughs> night. And Probably the whole week before that event, we say, we're not doing this next year. We're not doing this next year. And the event comes, and halfway through the event, we're starting to plan and make changes for the next year. So, like I said, so how do you bring people to, uh, like, how do you continue that uh, dedication of having those type of events where you draw those people in? Because economic development is that, bringing people to the community Absolutely. to spend their money, to spend, to buy a house, to uh, start a business here. So how do you get people? How do we get people into the community? How do you get people? Or how do we get people to volunteer? Both. 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 Because it's an overarching question. Because today's age, we are so worried about working on our phones. That's right. Not worried about what's happening out here. So how do we get people to stop looking on their phones and come visit and also come volunteer? Uh, Volunteer, I think we need to start with our young kids. Okay. And we need to start teaching them young that it's okay to do things for people and not get paid for it. What? Right? (laughs) What? It's okay. To help your fellow neighbor and not As a former expect child myself, opinions. I don't agree with the statement. <laughs> it's okay. You can bring your family with you. Spend some time helping others in your community. It, it takes a village to make a community a community. Um, to get people up here, it's all marketing. At this so? point, uh, uh, it's word of mouth. You make your events successful. You market the heck out of it. Um, you need to get into these trade shows, and we need to market ourselves as what an amazing community we are. So we talk about volunteerism, and you talk about getting your kids early. Uh, as a mother, mm-hmm. have you instilled that upon your children? Absolutely. Since day one, um, when the homeless shelter here, for example, opened up in town, my son, who was then seven, was there setting up. He was there helping the first night get food ready. Um, I was a board member at the Friendship Center for many years. They were always there um, doing Christmas hampers, food hampers, food bank. Uh, they are very involved. Um, if I have to do fundraising for their school or if I have to do fundraising for their events, guess what? They're coming with me. Yeah. Because uh, Unless it's late at night. But they need to learn that you need to step out of your zone and you need to help people sometimes and not expect anything in return. And do you see... Do you see kids your kids' age doing that no, today? No. So when your kids are volunteering, they're kind they're of they're the, the only young... ones usually. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Wow. That's so a... let's. Uh, and it comes from parents are busy. Yep. Parents are busy and they want to focus sometimes on one thing and not entertain their child while they're doing a million other things. And I get it. Yep. But if we don't instill that kind of thing in our children, we're going to stay stagnant where we are. And we're having huge volunteer burnout. So is there discussions about going into the schools in the Slave Lake region and talking to them as a council's perspective of, hey, get out, volunteer, or is that, are you leaving that up to the schools? Um, The schools have a lot on their plates too. And I feel like they're getting inundated with a lot. Um, And to add something else to their plate, I mean, it's a discussion that I have with my children's friends. And... 
probably something that will come up in the future because it, it's succession planning, right? It's succession planning for our future volunteers and for future our counselors. future counselors. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because people who want to help end up in these seats. Yeah. Um, we, you talked about uh, your kids volunteering. I do have a question about that. Do they get pride out of that? Absolutely. Do, do they have that conversation with mom and say, Mom, I'm happy that you told me to go do this. Like, I've, I've met so-and-so. Mm-hmm. I learned about X. Yeah, even as simple as I met a new friend. Really? Um, yeah, wow. for sure. I went there and, uh, I mean, having the homeless shelter beside my front door for five years gave my children a, a different perspective completely and they're not afraid to talk to them and they're not afraid to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't look quote unquote normal um i taught special ed in high school my children are very inclusive with everybody they take everybody i literally have people messaging me looking for my son can he befriend my kid at school? Because really? he takes all the kids that get bullied under his wings Aww. and protects them. And the teachers message me about it. And it's, it, I mean, it makes me so proud as a parent. That's what and I was going to say. He yeah. doesn't realize that he's doing it, really? which is even better. Yeah, because he's not, it's he's just not natural. in it for games, Absolutely. right? He's in it to do the right thing. Yep. And there's not too many people out there that I find, and I'm not generalizing everyone in particular, but um, in today's society, it's a me first society, Absolutely. Right? Nope. And he is definitely not a me first. And I'm glad he's taken that away from me. Wow. Yeah. So you just on a subject that I want to dive into briefly here, homelessness. For sure. It was one issue that you brought up um, and living so close to the former uh, homeless shelter in Slave Lake. Um, why is that issue? What, why was that issue so important to you? And why is it still? We had a huge homeless um, population about five years ago. Um, people were down on their luck. Uh, it was... Oil industry was oil going... Was totally. Yeah. People were living in their cars. Um, we started the MAT program to give people somewhere to sleep overnight during the cold months. Uh, I was a huge advocate for that. Uh, helped set that up. It was beside my house for five years. Um, our issues have changed recently from homelessness to vagrancy. And we're finding a lot of transient people coming maybe for... Um, We've had people come for court that just haven't left town. Uh, we are a service-oriented community, and uh, we have the services here. Whether people use it or not, they are here and accessible. Yeah. Um, and they come to town for that service and might not leave. Um, do they have homes? Most of them do have somewhere to go. They have families. Um, they have friends. But they're choosing to do what they're doing now. In a perfect world, what is the solution, though? I don't have that answer. Really? I don't have that answer. It is such a multifaceted problem. Um, there is mental health. There's addiction. There's... Do you think... That, and I'm, I'm not, yet again, not trying to generalize, but the, the, nor, the average person on the street will say it's laziness. 
they're too lazy to go get a job. They're mm-hmm. too lazy to go find a house, find a, a place to uh, live, find food for themselves. They're just looking for the handout. They're quick looking for the quick answer, right? For sure, yeah. Do you think that's true? Um, no, not at all. Like I said, most of these people suffer from mental health issues. And we have a huge crisis right now in the country as a whole um, with lack of mental health resources, especially up here in the north. Um, it's very hard to get into somebody. If you do, you better hope you have some insurance to cover it. And if not, you're not getting help. Yeah. And it's not even just the ho- uh, homeless and vagrancy issues that are uh, men- having mental health issues. No. Mental health issues are across the board. Absolutely. Living I, as someone who's lived up here for five years, I know that it gets dark. <laughs> It, it's I it's think still it's, dark. It's 10 o'clock now, yep. <laughs> and it's just daylight, yep. and it will get dark about 4 o'clock. Absolutely. So that the cabin fever sets mm-hmm. in up north. So is that affecting potentially homelessness, homeless as well, and also the general public as well, do you think? Well, I think this year in particular, people's attitudes are worse already <laughs> this season because we had a horrible summer. Yeah. Like, let's be real. We had a terrible summer. So we haven't had that... Mother Nature just wasn't agreeing with us this year. We just haven't had that break. And we'll talk about the summer here. Um, in uh, earlier uh, in early 2019, uh, high level got evacuated. Yeah. Uh, the high level evacuees came, came to Slaves Lake, and then literally, I think about a week and a half, almost two weeks into the evacuation of high level, while everybody was here. Slave Lake was put under a red cloud of smoke. Yep. And put on evacuation notice. Themselves. Absolutely. And for a community that had just gone through that not even seven or eight years prior, seven years prior. Tensions were high. And as a counselor, you must have seen just the absolute, not worst, but the effects that that fire in 2011 mm-hmm. had, still has on people today. A, a million percent. And I personally didn't live here when the fire came through. I've heard people speak about speak about it, I mean, constantly. To see the effect when the evacuation order came out blew my mind. To see people go and revert to that time, the streets were chaos. When the evacuation for notice first came out, I'd say the first hour was complete chaos. People were trying to fill up with gas. People were trying to get home. Kudos to our citizens. They got everything in perspective, realized it was eight hours. Everyone calmed down. Life went back to normal. Well, and that's the thing. That's what we'll clarify here. So the evacuation was a... An eight-hour notice. Eight-hour evacuation notice, but... For a community that had just gone through a fire evacuation it, notice, that's it, what they're going to hear. Absolutely, that's all. That's and that's all they heard until people took a step back and we did some communication and they calmed down. And so, how do you? So, how, how does how does this council try to help that? How do you get the proper resources into this community to a help homelessness, but also in the overarching comments of how do you help mental health? Because something like a major disaster, like a 2011 mm-hmm. wildfire, is going to be with you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. So how does this council work with uh, other stakeholders to make sure that the proper resources are here? Because like you said, you can't get in. Nope. 
because there's not enough doctors here to begin with. Mm -hmm. How do you bring those people here? Um, we have a fantastic Tri-Council Health Committee that are huge advocates and council as a whole. We are constantly advocating for all kinds of health services in our community because we truly are lacking. Um, we have a huge dedicated fire department that's made up of 98% volunteers. They see a lot. Um, our emergency services, they see a lot. We need some serious help up here. We need some mental health practitioners. We need... Um, and it's not going to happen overnight. Absolutely. Let's, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. What's the short-term fix? Um, we have been bringing in some amazing speakers for PTSD. Um, at this point, we're focusing on working as people as a group and as a whole because to get the individual services is it's tricky so when you focus as a group um i find people are more comfortable to come together yeah um they chat amongst each other which is also healing too so i think as a community we just have to work together and be there for each other and do you see that happening we oh, talked about the Mead First uh, society that we live in, but in Slave Lake, it, it seems to be me first for a few select, Absolutely. and then the general public, it's how can I help the follow person, mm -hmm. but in the same breath, I will say, how can I help this fellow person, but not volunteer but not my volunteer time. my time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, because we say the economic crisis is hitting us, but people are very generous with their money yep. um i that's what i find in this town if somebody is down on their luck and they make a plea or somebody asks for help our community is right there yeah every every person that's ever asked for help feels the benefit of that small village it's true um because you see going back to facebook here for a brief second when people ask for help on facebook whether it be hey Someone Anything. stole a cookie monster. Right? <laughs> For those people listening, back in 2019, uh, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, a well-known person in Slave Lake had a Christmas decoration, a cookie monster, light-up cookie monster, <laughs> stolen from their front uh, lawn. And then, if I'm not mistaken, Facebook, God bless it, double-edged sword. Right, totally. Within... 24 hours. 24 hours, it was back. It was back. Missing an eye, missing an arm, I think. But it was back. It was back. <laughs> so, it, people do want to help. And in the meantime, yeah. somebody gave them a brand new Cookie Monster. I, heard, I thought that was the case. Right? I was like, okay, did someone give me Totally. Like, like, where else would that happen? <laughs> yeah. They Slave went out, Lake. bought right? a Cookie Monster, and here you go. Totally. So... What do you chalk that up to? Is it because the town had gone through that wildfire in 2011 that now we know we are a close-knit community, we are three hours away from, quote-unquote, the largest city, mm -hmm. um, so we need to stick together, we need to band together, and if one of my fellow citizens is down on their luck, I'll help out. And I can't say necessarily because I wasn't here before the fire. Yeah, so, so you don't I, know what the attitude I don't know what the attitude was yeah. like before the fire. But you must see that... Because we went through that last evacuation order in May that, you know what, people rallied around each other. Oh, if uh, people are right there for you. When the evacuation order came in, it was a huge reality check for myself and my husband, me being a counselor, my husband working for the fire department, because we realized if we get evacuated, there's nobody here to take our children. Yeah. Because we're staying here. Um, within five minutes, I could have sent my children with... 
probably X, y, 50 people and not even a blink of an eye. Yeah. And you, you really, I honestly don't think you would get that in many places. So what and to be able to trust those people to send your yeah, children with. That's true. So what does the future hold for Slave Lake, do you think? Man, I hope good things. I see good things coming. Um, like what? We're cleaning up our community. We're working hard on downtown. We are investing in economic development. Um, this year is going to be a big year for us. Not- we have a really dedicated council this year to economic development. They're very passionate about it. Um, and do you think long big municipalities get the blunt of everything that's going on in the province for sure and federal government downloading is a major issue we've seen uh, right absolutely. now that uh, rural crime is one of the big issues and the, the province is saying start forking out some more money so when you're looking to the future do you see it as a positive that you're going to be able to control more information and control more uh, ways that the budget or your tax dollars are going to be spent or do you see it as a it's going to potentially be cost increases across the board Uh, i mean let's be real cost increases are inevitable unless you want to cut services cost everything goes up every year what right what i know (laughs) unbelievable but it does so i i think our council does an amazing job holding the line as much as we can what do I see for the future? I think... In the perfect world, what would you want Slave Lake to be known as in five years? I want to go back to being known as the Jewel of the North, because you know what? That's what we are. That's what we nice are. Nice plug there. Right? Nice plug there. <laughs> we are the Jewel of the North. Let's be real. Why? We have the best fishing. we got the best lakes. We're, uh, you can't go anywhere else in Alberta and enjoy the peace, the wilderness, the outdoors... The sense of community, man, we got something going on all the time. We're a hot community up here. It is, and that was the one thing. And like I said, when I first got here, I thought it was going to be a two-year thing. Two years. Hey, we came on a five-year plan too. Hey, exactly. (laughs) I I have learned so much of uh, of up north, but the connections that I've made up here because people, the atmosphere, like the tranquility that you get from. Just sitting in downtown Slave Lake, even at Tim Hortons. Right? Sit downtown in front of the fix, and that's just... Exactly. Someone's going to see you, and you can have a 45-minute conversation like yourself, and you're not even a counselor. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a 45-minute conversation with someone I don't even know half the time. Absolutely, and it happens all the time. Yeah. So, one area that we didn't talk about, about your past, but we'll talk about it now, is your service in the military. Once a server, always a server. Once a server. That that is the tagline for this episode. Once a server, always a server. That's right. So uh, I I don't even know. I didn't even know this until two years ago when uh, Tyler came, the mayor came up to me and said, uh, Councillor King's going to do the Remembrance Day video because she was military. I was like, what? (laughs) How how did I not know this? Right, yeah, 10 years I did. Okay, first off, when did you join the military? And B, what? Right? So I joined the Navy back in, geez, Louise. 1990. Come on, they're in 1990 something. You're only 24, right? Totally. So a long time ago, I joined the Navy. Back in Ontario. Back in Ontario, yeah, 10 years. I spent some time out um, in Quebec. I spent some time, a lot of time out in British Columbia, out in Esquimalt. 
um, and at HMCS Star in Hamilton. So how does a girl from Toronto, I'm assuming you grew up in Toronto. I grew up in the GTA in, in the GTA. Burlington, just out of Toronto. Burlington. Yeah, right? I love Burlington. Me too. So, so cute. So how does a girl from Burlington decide that she's going to join the military or the Navy? Well, um, when I was a kid, actually, the Sea Cadet movement came into school. Yay. And, right? <laughs> and I joined that, and man, I loved it. I was 13 years old, traveling to British Columbia by myself for six weeks at a time. I, I thought I was the coolest person around, right? Um, and I continued right through until I was 18, and the second I stopped cadets was the second I went into the Navy. It was just a natural, again, natural follow-through. So that must have been a hard conversation for your parents to have, though, with, like, yes. hey, Mom, I'm going to the Navy. Talk to you later. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think she was too happy about that. Going back, no, she wasn't too happy about that. But you know what? She got over it. Um, because, uh, I'm, yet again, I you don't typically see women in Navy. Way back then, especially. Exactly. Yep. So that's what I, it ultimately, why? It was it because you wanted to prove to someone or did you want to prove to yourself that, you know what, I'm, men and women are created equally. I'm just going to join because I enjoy it. Yeah. I don't think there was anything to prove. I just, I was, I just really enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything about it. The structure, the leadership. Um, I went on to teach leadership for many years um, to teach people how to lead. And I think that was instrumental in what I'm doing now. 10 years is a long time to do that. Why uh, Why did you get out? Uh, family family first. Family first. Right? It was, it's a lot of traveling. Um, so it was time to make a decision to continue on or to have children. Because at that time you had no children, That's right? right. Were you married? No. By the time you left? No. So this, like, it was it, just Rebecca first for that absolutely. 10 years? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And well, I shouldn't, it wasn't, it was Canada first, right? I guess so, yes. Because let me tell you, you're not first. Um, I lost a lot of friends over that time. Um, that was during the Afghani war. Uh, I, lo- I lost a lot of friends during that time. So I have a lot of friends still suffering with PTSD. Um, people come back from that and they're not the same. No. Huge epidemic again in our country. We send these men and women off to war and we don't have the resources to help them when they come back. We just simply don't. Do you do you think our military is being forgotten in today's age? A million percent. Because I, I wasn't at the Remembrance Day ceremony here, but I was down in Calgary and the amount of people younger than I would say 40 that were around that cenotaph was appalling. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, our veterans especially are getting forgotten about. Yep. Um, we have, again, we have such a great community. Our parents bring their children. You're off school for the day. Our parents bring our children. There was only standing room only in E.G. Wallstrom School. They were out in the hallways. It was fantastic to see the turnout here. That's awesome. When I see it elsewhere, it is, it's sad. Um we're down to the last of our World War II vets, and there's going to be nobody to carry on those stories and to listen to those stories. So are you involved with the local legion? Um, no, I, I, I'm just You're so, so busy. stretched. I'm so stretched. So 
Our military today, if your kids came to you tomorrow and said, I want to join the military, would you let them? A billion percent. Why? Because that's who made me who I am today. Really? With my parents, obviously my parents made me who I am today, (laughs) but... The background that that gave me in professionalism, in leadership, in humanity, you can't get that anywhere else. I was going to say, probably when you were serving, you saw the worst and the best of people. Absolutely. Really? Uh, Yeah. And um, on the flip side of that, it gives you a cold heart in some ways because you're trained to kill, basically. Um, that's the bottom line, right? Yeah. That's how it used to be. Yeah. Not necessarily anymore. We're trained to... Ask questions uh, first. And then. To- yes. Ask questions. Um, defuse the situation, let's say. Yeah. But it never used to be like that. So you must see, and you don't have to answer this question if it's a little bit uh, more, uh, not above your pay grade, but <laughs> more something that you might not want to. Um do you look at the state of uh, the military today and the Navy today and say, what the hell's been going on? Because when I was there, this was a lot better. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, human rights in our society as a whole has gone to such extremes um, that there's a lot of aspects that you can't even do any. You can't teach anymore. You can't. You can't even say certain things anymore. Well, we live in a PC world, Absolutely. right? Like we, it, and that's yeah. and that's the million dollar uh, it's not issue, but million dollar reason why we have evolved as a society, but also um, we have become a nanny state. Yeah, like yeah. Let's be real. It's um, I don't even know. It's, Do you take that to your? work as a counselor though like we have to look after everyone we have to make sure everyone's being treated fairly totally you have to to. but you on the flip side you do say that you have a cold heart so do you have to say sometimes you know what i know you want this but we have rules we have regulations Uh, literally almost probably every week Uh, (laughs) in, in my world being black is black and white is white yeah um, when there's you're dealing, there, there's no gray. There is no gray. No, no. when you're laws. Yeah, when you're dealing with bylaws, and yeah, we're the ones who make the bylaws. But bylaws are in place for a reason. They're not in place for one person. Um, laws are not in place for one person only. Black is black, and white is white, and rules are rules. Um, but there are circumstances where you might have to look at it as a. You always have to look at it, and you have to look at both sides. But at the end of the day, black is black and white is white. You got it. Yeah. (coughs) If it's something that, um, I mean, and you have to use common sense, which is a long lost art sometimes, apparently. Uh, Yeah. I mean, rules that were put in place 25 years ago aren't going to apply now. We have new environmental rules. We have new, we have a new society. Yeah. Things can't be the same. No, exactly. Things evolve. But basics, rules are rules. And I think it might be different because we're roughly the same age. Um, We come from a generation where that that changeover was happening, right? Because I remember that, you know what? This is the way it is. Yeah, then you didn't question it. No, exactly. Now it's if... And I will be the first to admit I've seen kids in Walmart or, uh, like, any store yelling at their parents. I would never have done that. Right. I would have gotten a cuff right you in the middle of the store. And my yeah. parents would have been like, okay, we would have walked away. And yeah. no one would have called the cops. No. <laughs> but now it's, if you do something wrong, we live in a society that we attack everyone. <laughs> so when you look at the military, when you look at our society... 
Do you think it's going to get worse before it gets better? It, everything gets worse before it gets better. <laughs> everything. There's got to be a there's got to be a breaking point at some point. People have there's got to be a breaking point. I mean, we can't continue to live like this. We can't continue to live being so selfish. Um, and walking around on eggshells. Yeah. That's what I find. Uh, every, you have to watch everything you say. And I don't... Or be I, on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> because trust me, I... I yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and again, another reason why I don't directly respond to tags, let's call them on Facebook, because people are hot-headed. Yeah. And... They need to think through before they push that send button. Because they're keyboard warriors, you got right? It. Yep. Let's be honest. Let's mm-hmm. call a spade a spade. Yep. Black is black, white is white. You got it. Yeah. People on Facebook will punch in whatever they want because there's no ramifications for them. And right? you know what? Then they'll talk to me for 45 minutes on Walmart like they're my best friend. Because they're so happy to see totally. you and you can solve their problem. <laughs> right? <laughs> so let's talk about you for a second. For sure. Where do you want to, see, where, where do you want to be in five years? Because I, I know you just be. started a business, so let's talk about your business. So what is your business? Um, so I own and operate the nail bar here in Slave Lake. Uh, do gel nails. What may, what, how did that come about? So after I was in the military, I was actually a teacher. I taught high school. Um, oh my God, I didn't even know that. Right? <laughs> okay, so I taught, what haven't you done? I'll write that down. <laughs> So, yeah, I taught high school. Um, then I had my children. And let me tell you, when you have your children, I didn't want to be dealing with other children and then come home and deal with my children. So I wanted, I, you know what? It was, this last little while has been me. The year of me, the years of me. I went to school and I did what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and man, has it ever blown away. Like, it's blown me away. It was supposed to be a part-time gig. I am full every day. I've actually had to cut clients out because I was working way too much. Yeah. Um, fantastic. I love it. I love listening, sitting down and talking to the ladies. And Must give you a chance to put two hats on at once at the same time, right? I try not to. Really? Um, yeah. It's... It's different. Are you I, able to do that? Absolutely. Um, if you want to come and book a nail appointment just to talk about town for an hour, I'm not going to take you on as a client. But if you want to come talk about your dog, let's do it. Totally. <laughs> because it's two different worlds. Again, yeah. there's certain channels to communicate with me about things, and that's not one of them. Yeah. Um, two different things. And how's your family life been since being elected? Well, that took an upheaval big time. Because my kids are young. And that was what I was getting at. Um, Everybody told me when I first started, especially the mayor, how much time this is going to take, how time-consuming it is. We'll be your second family. And And I guess, "Mm, sure, it's he's a man, you know. Doesn't have the woman's ability to balance things. And but no, guess what? (laughs) We're away a lot. Um, I'm away from my kids a lot. Luckily, I don't get. I don't have to miss special events or. Um, yeah, yeah, be, being a small community, right? right. Um, but they do miss me, and uh, it's a big commitment. People don't realize. I don't think. I mean, we spent over a hundred hours on budget in less like, than two months. Exactly. That's just two months. Of and that's meeting. on top of regular council meetings, regular board meetings, our regular full-time jobs, our families. So, how do you balance that though when you're out with your kids? Because you, as a mother, you must want to say, okay, 
I need kid time. I need oh, council time. Sure. I need business time. Yeah. So when I'm out at the MR, the multi rec center in Slave Lake, well, uh, with my kids skating, hypothetically, mm-hmm. or playing in the field house, that's their time. Mm-hmm. And then if re- because residents will be residents, absolutely, and they see you and you are a public person, mm-hmm. they will come up to you. So how do you balance that? Do you say, okay, sorry, I'm with my kids right now, or do you? Yeah, take a million your time? percent. No, you have to have boundaries. That's one of the things that you need to learn and you need to learn quick in this position you need to have boundaries if i'm skating with my kids i will i will acknowledge you absolutely i will stop i will you know what give me a call monday business hours even after business hours i'll talk to you yeah send me um, an email send me an email right uh, don't tag me on facebook because i'm not going over the side yeah but shoot me an email send me a text message uh, I'll, I'll get back to you but not during family time yeah yeah you absolutely and, and have you to have boundaries respectful of that? Uh, I'd say 95%. Absolutely. The ones that really have their pressing issue that they're like, hey, I need this done right now. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you're with. I want it figured out. And then you know what? You have to deal with it. There's no choice. You have to deal with it. And are your kids, do your kids understand who you are? Um, I'd say my son does. He's 10. He's older. My daughter, not quite. So they understand that mom goes and sits in the and, and does meetings and makes decisions about the town. Um, and then when res- when people come up to mom that they might not know, it's like, oh, mom's working. It, okay, mom's I'm going to go play over here. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and they get it, too. It's a learning process for them, yeah. too. Um, and it's no different than any other job when it comes to that. When I actually work, my salon is out of my home. Um, they know if there's a client in there, you're not knocking on the door unless you're dying. Don't be knocking on that door. Don't be calling at me because I'm working. And what about uh, husband? Because when you put yourself in this position of running for politics, you must you have to have a conversation with your spouse or partner at the time. Was he supportive of you running? A million percent. Again, he didn't realize, I don't think, how much time it would take. So he's um, like, oh, where are you going uh, now? Oops. Okay. And again, total learning process. Our relationship... Um, Has grown over the last two years? Yeah, it, there's been ups and downs, definitely. I mean, when I'm gone for four nights out of five of a week, and he has to do all the children's stuff, it's tough. Yeah. He's not used to it. Um, two years ago when I started, he really wasn't used to it. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, you're not taking them with you? I'm going to council. They'd probably fall asleep right. during council. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's all a learning process. And we've got, I mean, it's a four-year term. It's a long term. We're two years in. We've got it down to a pretty good science now. It's sort of just like clockwork. Okay, bunch yep. out, bunch out. There we go. Totally. We have a nice calendar. He knows what's coming and going. So if... Your daughter or son? Actually, we'll start with this question first. We talked about the fact that people will complain, will make call call politicians' names. No, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing that as a woman, first off, does it make you want to say, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore because I. The amount of shit, the amount of stuff that I get shoveled my yeah. way from residents, from stakeholders, mm-hmm. from everyone, it's, it's not worth it. Uh, I mean, let's be real. Some days, yeah. Some days I think, what the hell am I doing? Um, but then the next day... You solve an issue for somebody? Absolutely. And you've made their world for that particular time. Yeah. And it could be the simplest thing. Yeah. But they couldn't get anyone else to help them. Yeah. 
And to be able to do that, I mean, you feel like you're accomplishing something and you feel like you're a part of the community. And now, if your daughter, when she turns 18, mm-hmm. decides to come to you and says, Mom, I want to run for council, would you tell them, would you tell your daughter what the mayor told you? Oh, it's going to be easy. We'll be your second family. Or would you be would be realistic with Oh, anyone? the mayor never said it was easy. Oh, <laughs> Get that okay. straight. He never would, said it was going to be easy. He said would, gonna... you, would you be honest with anyone who came forward to you and said, I'm thinking about running for council. What's your thoughts? A million percent. And I did that before I ran for council. Um, I had every single one of them tell me it's time consuming. And maybe, uh, I don't know why I didn't really think it was time consuming. But you people need to know the amount of time. And guess what? You don't get paid for it all. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And and even what you do get paid, it's not very much. (laughs) So believe me, we're not in it for the money. This is not big time money makers. You do this because you love your community and you want it to be the best it can be. And back to the whole, it's the sense of duty. A million percent, yep. Councillor King, thank you very much for doing this. You're absolutely welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Much appreciated. again thank you to our wonderful guest today and i want to take this moment to thank you the listener without you the listener we wouldn't be able to do this podcast so thank you if you haven't already be sure to subscribe to the podcast on one of the many outlets that host our podcast including google play apple podcast stitcher and spotify While there, don't forget to give us some feedback and subscribe. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Cross Border Interview Podcast and on Twitter at Cross Border P-O-D, all one word, and on Instagram at Cross Border Podcast. This podcast was created and produced by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated. For the Cross Border Interview Podcast, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll be back here again next week with a brand new episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Thank you.